We're going on back to 1917. We're meeting the runaways, spending some time with Gene Seberg, and we're going to set about cleaning up the town. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Hi, man. Hey, Bex, it's movie time. Wow, that is so loud in my ear. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, for all anyone knows, this is the morning. Yeah, that's <laughs> right true, now, that true. was way too early. <laughs> You're excited, though. 2020 has kicked off. We've got a load of movies that have happened this week. It's going to be awards season very soon. <sighs> so, I mean, it's actually, it's already awards season, isn't it? But it's kicking off and it's ramping up a page. And now we've got... Probably one of the big hitters in week one and of this year. We really year. have. We literally yeah. kind of starting as we mean to go on. But Hopefully. We will get to 1917. Uh, our first one, though. I wasn't going to give it away. Oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> I've ruined the surprise. I, I thought all the bus ads and things had done it for me. No, that's Messiah <laughs> on Netflix. Oh, is that, what, is that what that is? Oh, okay. See, I keep getting Messiah and that gay Jesus thing on Netflix confused. You know, this oh, no, one that, two very, very yeah, different films. This one that like, uh, well, people in South shows. America are really annoyed about. Yeah, uh, no. You'll be saying you're getting it confused with Hail Satan in a minute. But. Oh, but... That, that, no, no, nothing can compete with Hail Satan. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Seaburg then, because we saw this together a couple of days we ago. We did. It was our first date of, first <laughs> of 2020. Oh, first date. I came life. in, I was like, hi guys, how was your Christmas? <laughs> okay, shut up. We're going to watch some, something about someone that nobody knows who she is. Uh, <laughs> did you have that as well? Because I, I wasn't overly familiar. I mean, I knew who Gene Seaburg was, but I didn't know. I beyond... mean, to be honest, French New Wave cinema was beyond me at that point as well. Have you so... ever seen Breathless? No, I haven't no. seen Breathless, or but I do know. Oh, who was in the remake? Uh, I think it's Richard Gere, isn't it? And was it called Breathless? It was called Breathless. So, okay, yeah. it was a straight remake. Then. Uh, Mark Kermode famously prefers the remake to the original, which Excellent. incidentally is how I feel about the Italian job. But co- controversial take. Controversial nice. take. Okay, okay, well, Kristen Stewart is playing the role of Gene Seberg. Um, so it's based in the late 1960s. So this is a kind of a, a microscopic take on a certain part in Gene Seberg's life. So mm-hmm. what happened was she became the target of the FBI due to her support of the civil rights movement. And also she became romantically involved with a Black Panther Is activist. Hakeem Jamal, I think his name was. Yes, I left that out because I forgot the name. <laughs> <Sorry>. um, <laughs> as, as the surveillance basically tightens, and it's yeah. actually, what happens is essentially the FBI have taken it to an extreme with their level of surveillance. She finds that her life and career basically spirals out of control and she's not able to trust anyone. You swing by in your limousine, open your legs and your checkbook, and you think that gives you the right to anything you want. I only ever wanted to help. Well, that doesn't make you a better person. That makes you a tourist. To defame somebody who speaks out against their government is a type of persecution. You run around with a handful of nails looking for a cross to die on. You deserve to know the truth. Woman has her secrets. There's a couple of ways of looking at this. Mm. For me, it's one of those films, I think if you learn about someone new that you're not too familiar with and you end up going off and Googling about them afterwards to try and find out, mainly to see whether or not Kristen Stewart looks exactly like her. Um, (laughs) She's not a bad likeness, actually. No, it's a really, really good likeness, Yeah. yeah. And she plays the role really well. I think that kind of element of a movie is interesting. What I think it was lacking was artistic license. Well, I don't know. For me, it just never seemed to get interesting enough. Yeah. I mean, the story is fascinating. I mean, the story of how they, they set out to just absolutely discredit and ruin her and the sort of understandable toll that then takes on her. First of all, I think Kristen Stewart's brilliant. I think yes. she's genuinely great. Yeah. But she's better than the film. 
She's way better than the film. Well, this is the thing, and I think we've discussed this before, mm. is, is I think Kristen Stewart, Jack O'Connell, Vince Vaughn, they all signed up to this project thinking... Yeah. You know, it's a life story. It's, yeah. you know, it's uh, someone... Oscar it yeah, it. doesn't it just... Um, it just doesn't take off, like you say. It plods along. Interesting thing about this, this premiered at the Venice Film Festival last year. What happened at the Venice Film Festival last year? Joker debuted and dominated the conversation. Yeah. So this sort of got buried under Joker, effectively. And when you see the two films side by side, it's not hard to see why yeah. Joker would overpower this, because it's so surprisingly lifeless film. There is obviously an intention to go quite deep and introspective. So there were things that I thought it was missing. I thought it was missing a tussle between the FBI agents over what was morally right versus what, yeah. you know, was being done. And then I thought it was missing the artistic license of having one of the FBI agents, particularly um, Jack O'Connell on mm. this, um, having a romantic interest in Gene Seberg. Yeah. Because we saw an, a glimpse a of it. There's a hint of it, yeah. And there's a, a great scene with Margaret, uh, Margaret Qualey, for instance. Yeah. Andy McDowell's daughter, by the way. I know, she's, yeah, yeah, she's really good in it. Uh, now, that's the thing. You say, talk about goodness. Jack O'Connell. Never liked Jack O'Connell in anything before. Always found him a bit one note. Seems he found a second note. So, uh, Do you know what? He, well plays the, he's, he plays the kind of 50s, 60s ha like husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's kind of like alpha male, but yeah. he's still got a heart to him. It's... It's a good balance. Just doesn't quite work. And I think the third act, it does race for the finish line as yeah. well. Because it, it spends so much time sort of waffling that it, and there's a lot of plot that it just sort of casts aside. That when it gets that third act, it's like, oh, we need to do this plot now. And the third act just feels a lot faster paced yeah. than the, the previous there's two. A, and, there's a lot of chat about what the Black Panthers would do mm. in this, but you never actually see them do anything. Although Anthony Mackie, I quite like as... Uh, well, uh, yeah, he was very good. This is the thing. This is a film which has got a great cast. Called Meanie. <laughs> God, meanie, love me some God, meanie. Um, it's got, you know, it's got all the elements that are needed towards having mm. a really solid movie. It just never takes flight. No, it doesn't. and this is the big problem with it. And I think for that reason, go and watch it on a Sunday afternoon if you're kind of, you know, interested. And it's not necessarily at cinema. Don't pay to go and watch this. I hate saying that about movies, but you're going to waste your money, aren't you? Well, you, you are. This this is, again, it's yet another case of a great Kristen Stewart performance that's only going to get seen by five cardigan wearers and the people who frequent your local art house cinema's OAP discount day. Uh, for me... Hi. <laughs> <laughs> one thumb up from me. What are you giving it? Yeah, I'm going to give it one thumb up as well. Yeah. I just, it feels like there could have been so much more to this yeah. to get your heart racing, to get you... Get it competing with Joker at Venice. Yeah, definitely. There could have been so much more. So we've got uh, just under two minutes then to talk about a documentary feature for the week. Uh, this is a documentary about a very beloved property within our pop culture framework. Uh, it's cleaning up the town, remembering Ghostbusters. Yeah. Remind me of the director's names. It's um, Anthony uh, and Claire Bueno, um, you know, who I, I do know and I'm going to give a shout out to. Hello, congratulations, well done. It's been years in the making and I know this is mm -hmm. a labour of love for them. This is essentially anyone who is obsessed with Ghostbusters. <laughs> There's a fair few of those this around. Is, yeah, <laughs> this is your dissection of every single moment that happened in towards the making of the film. You know, when we were doing it, we actually thought we were doing something for the ages. I thought, why not mix the real world of psychic research and make a good old-fashioned ghost comedy? I think we fully believed that we were going to carve out a little niche in film history. And I just got this wonderful shiver down my back that I was about to do something special. There's nothing else like it. It's funny and fresh. I can genuinely say this is the definitive documentary 
about the making of Ghostbusters. And that is at once both a compliment and a detriment. Okay. Uh, there are things that annoy me, uh, for instance, predictably enough, obviously, the, there's no footage of Bill Murray being interviewed, which that annoys Such me, but that's, shame. that's really... more to do with him, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Uh, also, there's, a, there's a, a choice made to fixate entirely on the specifics of the film rather than the legacy of it, where it stands. Uh, they include, for instance, in oh, the logo... Oh, I didn't, I didn't mind that. Did you not? But in the logo, the actual logo of the film, it includes the logo for both Ghostbusters 1 and 2. You're like, again, they don't mention Ghostbusters 2. But having said that, I know that there is another cut of the film that's being uh, put into the limited theatrical release that's okay. uh, about half an hour longer. Okay. So I don't know. Because it's if only that like 90 up. minutes yes, at the moment. 96, so I think, exactly. 96 minutes. Do you know what I really liked about this? It's that I, I like to geek out about how <laughs> movies are made, what kind of happens with it. And I think this does it really well. Goes into all of that detail about how Slimer, the prosthetics, and all that kind of yeah, stuff was yeah. done. I love the fact that. Uh, I don't know if they managed to interview Harold Ramis, if this has gone, kind of gone uh, no, on. No, the arc is, the is archive, archival. Yeah. Well, it fits in really mm. nicely with all the other uh, yeah. things. And I love like the story of how Sigourney Weaver, basically, you know, she came on board and oh, everyone yeah. was like, they, interview, they they did like, they tried Daryl Hannah for the role, loads of different people, but she was, they never thought they'd get Sigourney and she basically begged them yeah, I know, to be part right? of the film. Well, that's because I didn't realise that she, she's such a theatre uh, actress, Sigourney yeah. Weaver, at that point as well. And about, I mean, I watched this with my roommate, Ghostbusters fanatic, strange things fanatics so you can imagine how excited he is mm. this year and uh, we had recently watched Netflix's The Movies That Made Us and it's Ghostbusters episode yeah. and that one features interviews sort of current so I think Harold Ramis isn't involved for instance but this features interviews that are I would say at a guess uh, 15 to 20 years old still don't include Bill Murray because getting him on to talk about Ghostbusters hey I, I had a thumb yeah. war with Bill Murray it's a highlight of my Did career you? yeah on oh the red God. carpet and he was delightful and I, he let me win oh, oh <laughs> he, let, he let you win he let you win yeah, you, you there was be, nothing be, competitive about that at all. You beat up an old man at a thumb war, Bex. Come what? on. What? Say what? No, overall, I think this is a solid insight into the world of Ghostbusters. Yeah. I think you'll get, if you're interested in the movie, you'll get everything you want out yeah. of it. I agree with you on the legacy point of view. I yeah. think it does lack that side of thing. But from a technical perspective, understanding the funding, the origins, yeah. how they actually pulled it together, where people came from in order to come together to make this movie, that really worked for me on this documentary. For me, I'm going to give it one thumb again because I found it a bit too needlessly over, uh, overly in-depth. Uh, for instance, on things like there were certain special effects, for instance, where it feels like this one person is talking for 15 minutes about one special effect, and Sav and I just looking over at each other like, what, what, is he still talking? Like, really? Uh, and obviously, you know, you understand that's this guy's, you know, legacy work. I didn't know that when they put the film out, they left about two-thirds of the crew off the credits list. Yeah. And that that had to get changed. I did not know that. But say, I did learn things. Uh, I am a Ghostbusters fanatic. The Ghostbusters fanatic in me wants to give it two glaring thumbs. The realist in me gives it sort of a thumb and a half. I was just going to yeah. say mine would be a thumb and a half yeah. for this. No thumb wars, though. <laughs> no thumb wars. <laughs> no thumb wars, no Bill Murray. No. So the next film that we're going to be talking about today is, I suppose, another small independent film. It's mm, not British. really something... British film. Okay, not something that you necessarily would have heard about, but you might need to hear about it. Uh, it's called The Runaways. Um, I know nothing about this. So this is, uh, this is a funny one for, for, for me, actually. Okay, so you know how you, you knew the directors of, uh, of uh, Cleaning Up the Town? Yes. Uh, one of my Facebook friends produced this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a hashtag ad. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. One of my Facebook friends produced this, and then Johnny Hearn, our mutual friend, 
friend oh. and talk radio film critic. He uh, he had another friend who was another one of the producers. I tell you what, uh, 2020 is a, a very good day for networking within the film industry. It really is, isn't it? So uh, written and directed by Richard Heap. Uh, this stars Mark Addy as the patri- as a single parent patriarch of three children. They live in a shack in Whitby, and basically they, their income, what meagre income they have, is made from uh, from, from doing, hosting donkey rides effectively on the beach. Uh, Mark Addy's uh, wayward brother returns from a lengthy stint in prison. He's played by, I think it's Lee Boardman, uh, who I remember from Rome. Oh. And he played Timon in Rome. Okay. And, because uh, I'm a big John Milius fan. Uh, John Milius, John Milius. Um, you know, Conan John Milius. And uh, he returns home. Obviously, something has gone on in the past. He claims that Mark Addy owes him money and owes him his life back. Mark Addy then dies under mysterious circumstances. And Lee Boardman, the evil uncle, basically lays claim to, you know, this, this scattershot would-be kingdom of his. And it's left to the children to basically take the donkeys and flee. Flee to mummies. I'm sorry. I'm the next to kin. Everything's mine. You go till tomorrow. Pack up your stuff. We need to get as far away from here as possible. Where are we going? We're going to Mum's. You what? Everyone's looking for you guys. I've seen the policeman on the TV. Can't be us. Maybe I'm mixing up with the uh, three children and two donkeys I saw earlier. This is a bonkers. <laughs> storyline. In fact, my head hurts from hearing it. <laughs> right. So this, this on the one hand, feels like uh, sort of a, a, an old school adventure. Something like Swallows and Amazons. Do you remember yeah. Swallows and Amazons yeah, a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago? And, and again, the other side of that, so, something like an Enid Blyton story, but a bit kitchen sinky. It's like a kitchen sink Enid Blyton, if you can imagine that. Oh my goodness. I don't know if this is for me, you know. It's, it's very Yorkshire. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm it, a southern girl. Yeah, I'm just, It's so Yorkshire that I was looking through the cast and crew credits and said, right, who do I know that was involved in the making of this? And I was like, oh, Mark Thomas, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I say, a very well-made film, glorious visuals. I say, Whitby and, and North Yorkshire, it, obviously it looks the part because beautiful scenery, great performances in there from the three child leads. Uh, Mark Addy in his small diminished roles. And he has a few flashbacks and things as well. Yep. Uh, Mark Addy, I forget how heartwarming Mark Addy is as a presence because it's been a long time since he was in Game of Thrones now. And Full Monty and Fred yeah. Flintstone. You know, things like that. Well, it's good to kind of get that talent in on something like this. Yeah, a low-budget yeah. low British film. Well, he obviously is the name talent. That's, yeah. You know, there's always got to be that one name who helps helps secure funding and things like that. It clearly was Mark Addy in this case. Lee Boardman, I think, is very good in it as well. Yeah. Even if he does uh, kind of at some points remind you of what you'd imagine Robbie Williams must look like first thing on New Year's morning. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could not get that idea out of my head. But... Uh, the problem with it for me is there was a lot of uh, sort of, I would say, thematic uh, uh, thematic and almost charm-based setup that never seemed to go anywhere. Um, there's, for instance, the opportunity to do comedic things with the donkeys, like they're trying to sneak them on trains and things like that. <laughs> that you think uh, kind of more of that would have gone a long way. It's a bit too sour. It's a bit too kitchen sinky. And sometimes you, you, you feel like you need those glimmers of light in what is otherwise a really bleak film. But the performances do set it apart. They do carry it through. I think Richard Heap's done a great job, uh, both behind the behind the keyboard and behind the actual camera. Um, I don't think it's for everyone. Like I say, it's nihilism. Doesn't sound like it's for me. Yeah, it's nihilism will set it back a bit, I think. And it'll be on limited uh, release, won't it? It, it, it will. Uh, but to be honest, this is a film that I think is going to find its audience most definitely when it winds up hitting BBC 
one bbc two mm. in a couple of years time it becomes sort of a late sunday afternoon film which is well, yeah. absolutely where it needs to be yeah so, so how many how many thumbs are you gonna give ah one and a half again from me i'm aware we've got one and a half one and a half is fine like two is the top number <laughs> well exactly exactly that so uh, let's talk then about uh, our heavy hitter of the week i know you've been raring to go on this one yeah, I mean, it is the one that has picked up the Golden Globe for both Best Film and Best Director. It is, of course, 1917. Spoiler alert, Van said it in the opening credit bit. <laughs> Thanks, Van. Um, I think there's a bus, bus going to sail by any minute waving it past our window, I Whatever. Think. Um, it's based on a set of tall stories, and I say hmm. tall stories, from Sam Mendes' own grandfather, yep. who served in the First World War. But it follows two young soldiers who have been basically sent on what looks like a quite hopeless mission mm. to go and save 1,600 soldiers from a, a potential ambush by the Germans. Well, that's it, because it's a, a colonel who thinks he's found a break in the lines, but aerial photography has shown that it's not a new front. Yeah. They're all going to die, but they can't get in touch with him to warn him. And one of the men is, is, of course, one of the soldiers' older brothers. The second are due to attack the line shortly after dawn tomorrow. They have no idea what they're in for. And we can't warn them. As a parting gift, the enemy cut all our telephone lines. Your orders are to get to the second at Kwasi Wood, one mile southeast of the town of Lacust. Deliver this to Colonel Mackenzie. It is a direct order to call off tomorrow morning's attack. If you don't, it will be a massacre. We will lose two battalions, 1,600 men, your brother among them. You think you can get there in time? Yes, sir. And this for me, the big thing that everyone's kind of going on about this is it's a one-take wonder, right? No, it ain't. No, I saw three. I saw two. Did you see two? I, I saw, saw three. two cut points. Um, uh, but we, do you know what? I bet we sat through it and we're like looking out for this because mm. we're geeks like that. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, I was looking for the scenes in the digital edit. In the digital edit. I think I've spotted a fair few of them, to be honest. Okay. But uh, I actually did my I did the Me Movies review for this uh, yesterday. I've actually seen the movie a second time. Since. Now, the question is, is, have you seen it in a cinematic environment? I have. I, uh, okay, I did have good. the pleasure. And uh, obviously, you should see this on the biggest screen. 100%. Fantastic to look at, isn't it? Yes. Wow. I mean... On the one hand, this is this is IMAX brought to life. This is World War One for IMAX. Yeah, surely. and I saw I saw it in the Dolby screening room. Mm. So you know you've got Dolby Atmos and everything, and you need to feel immersed in this because what it does is it gives you that understanding of just how grim life was like in the trenches, and also more troublingly, just how young the boys were. Very true. I mean, for, for, I mean, I will say though, I mean, it, it's breathtaking. The, uh, the 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 limited use of, of shots, the, the small the few number of shots that they use, does help with that immersion. It yeah. does keep the momentum going. Uh, I think the I mean, the two stars of this are obviously Sam Mendes, who is just is juggling so many balls with this one. Yeah. There are so many moving parts to this, but also more importantly, I think Roger Deakins, beautiful beautiful cinematography there is a 100%. sequence so that, that sequence involving fire yeah that you just look at and think wow this is this is more more rapturous than than most horror movies yeah you know you could literally film dante this way yeah it's, it's do you insane. know what as well like the two stars of it so george ah. mckay and dean charles chapman now this is where we're going to disagree but go on no 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 so i i thought george mckay i really liked mm -hmm. and i thought he was a good lead in this and yeah. the film centers on them obviously you've got big names but they are literally cameos so in it's this. like private Ryan where they get the big names to sort of pop up here yeah, and there exactly. along so the Colin way, Firth, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Scott, Mark Strong, Richard Madden. Dean Charles Chapman mm -hmm. had a bit of a amateur dramatics kind of feel to him in uh -huh. a way. He didn't, I didn't think he, he was particularly accomplished as an actor in this movie. 
but I actually thought that worked. Really? Because I thought his naivety mm -hmm. and kind of boisterousness of, nope, we're going to go, we're going to go and do it. Da -da. Actually, if you're thinking about the boys on the front line that actually might do it, I, I actually thought that kind of worked. That it was quite jarring to start with and a bit sort of like, tally-ho, let's go, I'm going to go off to war kind of thing. But actually, surely that's maybe what they were like. I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of George Mackay. I'm a big okay. fan of George Mackay. I met him once at one of Kermode's things, forgot his name and just immediately went, Bromley! Because I'm such a fan of Pride. Yeah. Sidebar, if you've not seen Pride, see Pride. Oh, it's, it's one of awesome. the best films. It is. I don't like him in this. I think the is only... too posh for you? No, I think the only direction he's been given is imagine if Nicholas Lindhurst were in the trenches. As for Dean Charles... That Char is cruel. Mm, as for Dean Charles Chapman, I think you could have probably gotten the same performance out of a moist flannel. Um, no, but I am kind of with you on the fact that yeah. he wasn't quite right. I mean, I think it's, a, I think it is a technical exercise, a better technical exercise than it is a film. Yeah. And I think that is down entirely to the fact that I think it has two very ineffectual leads. I know we, you, you agree with half of that, but yeah. for me, but the I leads are. I, I think there was a thinking behind. Mm. Yeah having them not particularly be as accomplished in ten, this. Ten years ago, Sam Clayflin would have been the lead in this, and I think that would have been a lot better. Maybe. Someone like that. I also think the script isn't particularly very good. I think well, there's, there's not a, a lot to it. Well, there's not, but I think the dialogue that's there is very wooden, very stilton. I think it exposits sort of character specifics rather than giving you character development. Yeah. And I think these are the kinds of flaws that people will heap the praise on for the technical exercise and just sort of forget the flaws. Well, I, I think, yeah. I, hang on, I think that's exactly why it's only being nominated mm. for things like Best Director, Best Film. Very telling. Cinematography, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's going to pick up on all the technical categories. For me, the thing that it lacked as an overall film, and yeah. I will compare it to this other film, sure. is urgency. Yes, yes. I'm not, I mean, it has some of that. But it goes in peaks and troughs, mm, right? Yeah. And there are some parts of the bit in the trenches and bits that actually feel too clean for what that would have been like. You're not the first person who said that, actually. And I don't know if that's me being mean about it, but actually no. that's how I felt. However, when you watch something like Dunkirk, yeah. you feel that urgency from start to finish. That's it. For me, this needed, I think this needed a wider berth after Dunkirk. I still feel like Dunkirk was too soon before yeah, maybe. this, in a sense. It's that ticking yeah. clock of Dunkirk that yeah. lives with me works so well mm. as an immersive experience this took you through multiple emotions and through and don't get me wrong it flew by mm. but as a technical film can i give it two separate ratings on that uh, on that level then can i um, say it gets two thumbs up as a technical fine, exercise i'll agree with you on that it gets one thumb up as a film i think i'm gonna agree do you know what i gave it out when i was doing my reviews this morning i yeah. gave it four and a half out of five and I, I do think it lives up to that. That's it. I think because most people are going to take it as the technical exercise. Yeah. And because on that level, it is a two thumbs yeah. up film. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And now a section we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Oh, hey, Van. <laughs> so uh, how are we paying the bills this week? Do Who we got sponsors? Do you know what? We're going we're gonna to pay the bills thanks to Likewise, okay? So it is the only app that you need to discover what to watch or read next. Now, that is that is interesting because you get loads of these apps, that you know these apps and these platforms and things that tell you, like, people rate movies and they rate books and things like that. So this is like a, a consolidated one. But also, if, you, if you're looking for films, it also tells you what platforms they're on. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you 
you tailored recommendations mm. also from all of your friends and family, which I always love. I always listen to my mates on what they, they're watching. I'd sometimes listen to you too. Well, I say, because <laughs> we're film critics, because most of our mates are film critics. So that's, yeah. that's quite handy. Uh, so, so you can search across all the streaming platforms. Uh, it, it supports recommendations for other things other than films, like books, podcasts, restaurants, more things like that. Absolutely. And the more you use it, the better it gets as well. So it just becomes really, really intuitive. So it's super easy to use. All you need to do is download the Likewise app in the App Store or Google Play. Most of us have one or the one other. Or, one or, yeah. <laughs> or if you don't, for some weird reason, you can visit their website at likewise.com. Yeah, maybe you should use line drawings for your communications. You don't have an app store. You can you can just go on the website instead. Although I don't know how you'd access the site that Van, way. Van, don't tell people what you do in your personal that, time yet. That's my fault, isn't it? Meanwhile, Sparks. We've got to talk about Sparks, which is this really cool idea for a new, a new podcast app. Uh, this is in like an open beta at the moment. Yep. So uh, this is, a, a, you're going to love this idea. So how often are you listening? Like, like our show, right? So someone's listening to our show and we talk about a movie and like, oh, I can write that down. And I can look that film up. You know when we do the TV recommendations? So it says, oh, that sounds really good. I've got to remember that that's on Tuesday at nine. So you literally, you listen to uh, the podcast in that app and it allows you to basically take notes and it saves them against the podcast episode. That's amazing. And it, 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 it takes open beta. There are new features coming. You can be able to like organize and search your notes and they, they stay like on your account and things. Yeah, that's super cool. I mean, the fact that it's only launched in beta means get in there quick, right? <laughs> exactly. Before, <laughs> be an, be an early starts. adopter tech yeah. people. <laughs> pre premium will come. That's what it is. You need to get yeah. in there now. Well, it's free. Uh, but you definitely want to join up and you can help shape the future of learning through the podcast as well. It's super easy to do. All you need to do is go to the sparksapp.io and sign up to join the beta now. I already have. So. I know. You beat me to it only by a millisecond. You know me. I, I love me a nerdy <laughs> tech thing. I do. And, and, and podcasts and tech, you know, I, I I'm in, I'm in. Because you're a little bit of a bright spark, shall we say. That's it, (laughs) yeah. yeah. They had me at absorb, retain, and apply your learning. I'm not going to lie. Nice. Those are like three of my favorite buzzwords. So, yeah, Sparks app, check that out for your podcasts. And if you run a podcast, meanwhile, as as we, we do... You obviously need to fund said podcast, and uh, we've, we've do we? You haven't told me about the funding section. Are well, we, it's how do we, you get paid for this? What's how we? Which is how we keep the lights on. That's where oh. it is. So uh, we use loads of uh, loads of like different options to try and try and keep us afloat. And one of the ones we've discovered recently is, is uh, Podcorn, which is uh, a new marketplace. Say it slower. Podcorn. So it's popcorn with a D. Good. And uh, okay, so Podcorn is uh, it's like a new marketplace for podcasters that sort of connects uh, podcasters with the sponsorship opportunities. So rather than like list your show and the brands come to you, this is sort of the other way around. You go to the brands and say, hey, I've got this show and I can do this. Yeah, it's really good. Do you know what? It cuts out the middleman. I think that's what works really well on this. Exactly. And you never give up any rights to your podcast. And it's basically what I really like about Podcorn is that it's here to support you at every step. So you can make sure that you are being protected you're compensated for the work that you're doing with brands it also gives that kind of clarity and transparency as well so mm. all the legal stuff that you need to make sure you're doing correctly <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, so if you're a podcaster you're interested click the link in our show notes or the episode description to uh sign up to podcorn and uh, just start browsing now and just get on it we are it's been great yeah I mean, we, we've had a whale of a time yeah, with thanks this. podcorn but thanks podcorn we have lights now Welcome back to Off Screen. Now, in our third of four segments today, we are talking, as is every day. As is every day, yeah. Yes, I know, I know. I just thought it sounded more It's grand. a new year. It's fine. We've got to get year. back into the swing. You know, we've got new audience members. So, <laughs> just telling you how it all works. People who got new phones for Christmas. Yes, just discovering exactly. us. Yeah. But if you are a bit old school, you might be wanting to watch some movies on TV. Remember TV? <laughs> that was a thing. It's still that, a thing. The telebox. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we have a seven-day guide to all of the big movies that are 
are out this week and we're going to kick off on the Saturday so that's when we start this so mm -hmm. tomorrow um, with Dirty Dancing five star seven o'clock you've got to love Dirty Dancing <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not I like, didn't take like me back it. to Kellerman's <laughs> well I say I didn't like Dirty Dancing for the longest time it's only like this last few months because you are not a teenage girl well, I, I'm not, but I, you know, I know women who, you know, will merrily tell me about how, you know, as children they just wanted to be baby, or wanted to be with Patrick Swayze, or wanted to be with Patrick Swayze, which is all I sorts of I will carry a watermelon for him. <laughs> I carried a watermelon. <laughs> so, Dirty Dancing, of course, iconic story of Baby Houseman goes to the Kellerman's Resort in the Catskills, and she learns all about growing up. <laughs> they fired you anyway because of me. And if I leave quietly, I'll get my summer bonus. So I did it for nothing. I hurt my family. You lost your job anyway. I did it for nothing. No, no, not for nothing, baby. Nobody has ever done anything like that for me before. You're right, Johnny. You can't win no matter what you do. You listen to me. I don't want to hear that from you. You can. I used to think so. Swayze. I mean, <laughs> if anyone goes on a summer holiday and meets someone that looks like Patrick Swayze in this film. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll never get Lock up your daughters. Yeah, he's, he's so much older than her as well, it terrifies me. Oh, stop. But uh, <laughs> I actually bought the Kellerman's t-shirt for summer for Christmas. I'm, I'm, I'm nice like that. But, uh, so, FYI, uh, that someone was not me, and it, I'm disappointed I'm in you sorry. right now. I just I gave you peace and love. I just figured that yeah, would. Okay, so yes, I mean, Dirty Dancing. We'll go from Dirty Dancing then to uh, one of my favourites. One of my favourites. Oh, really? Films. Is it? It is the one film. When I got rid of my DVD collection, yeah. I had to keep it. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so uh, Sunday afternoon, Channel 5, 10 to 4, so 3.50, and it's Robert Zemeckis. I did not know he directed this. Did you not? I didn't. Oh. Because I saw it when I was about nine years old. I barely knew who Zemeckis was. I kind of watch this every couple of years. I, I do now. Have we told yeah. them what it is? Oh, so it's Death Becomes Her, <laughs> starring Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, and bloody Bruce Willis. And Isabella Rossellini. Oh, and Isabella Rossellini. <laughs> I'd say it's, it's about a failed actress, sort of washed-up actress, played by Meryl Streep. She loses her husband to his former flame, who used to be fat and, and decrepit, and now has come back young and hot, looking like Goldie Hawn. And she wants the secret as she to how she's done it, and it's not Weight Watchers. You must make me a promise. The secret that we share must never become public. You may continue your career for 10 years, 10 years of perfect, unchanged beauty, but at the end of that time, before people become suspicious, you have to disappear from public view forever. You can retire, you can stage your own phony death, or, as one of my clients simply said, I want to be alone. <gasps> No, she's not. Wow. That's right, it's a magic potion. With Isabella <laughs> Rossellini there. I, I mean, know. Wow. She is so sexy in this. I, I, I know. I mean, for, again, for the longest time, I did not know that was Isabella Rossellini. Did you know and, Oh, wow. I mean, she's she's really something in this <laughs> <laughs> So this, I mean, everything from mm. the incredible effects of the time. It was 1992. 92. Those effects, yeah. though. I mean, hold on. Yeah, amazing. Still hold up the, the, the shotgun, there's a shotgun hole the through uh, one of them. And, yeah. yeah, it's all brilliant. But the humour. Yes. This Bruce Willis, Meryl Streep... And Goldie Horn. This is a triple threat of brilliant actors playing comedy so oh, yes. well. You won't get this with a group of, of 
actors playing a comedic role in this day and age. You just can't do this, I don't think, on this level. Back in the 90s, it kind of worked. I feel like this is the kind of thing that if you tried to do it now, would wind up becoming like a Seth Rogen vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this kind of plays it. This is what comedies, mainstream comedies, used to be in the early 90s. Also, the technical feat of this really does blow your mind because of that time, you, you know, now we'd look at someone twisting their head or having a, you know, hole shot through them as just standard in a movie. It's like, oh, okay, well, how much money did you throw at that one? Exactly. Back in the day, I, w- I would love to watch a movie, like, making, making, of, of, the, making yeah. of movies, this one. So, on to Monday then, 5 star, 11pm, one of my favourite comedies of the 2000s. It is Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, a.k.a. Harold and Kumar get the munchies, the first of the Harold and Kumar trilogy that culminates in one of my favourite ever Christmas movies. It is the story of Cal Penn and John Cho, who uh, get baked one night and set out for that perfect burger at White Castle. And, of course, along the way, stop off to introduce uh, Anthony uh, Anthony Anderson in a cameo as the drive through manager of a rival burger chain. As a Burger Shack employee for the past three years, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that if you're craving White Castle, the burgers here just don't cut it. In fact, just thinking about those tender little White Castle burgers, those little itty-bitty grilled onions that just explode in your mouth like flavor crystals every time you bite into one, just makes me want to burn this mother down. Come on, Boogie, let's burn this mother down! Maybe she just suck it up and go to White Castle. Burn it down. I love me some Anthony Anderson. This isn't the one. I think I'm thinking of like Dude, Where's My Car, where yeah. they're ordering at a drive-through oh, that with is. the clown. And then. Is and, that then? The, and then. That's, and then. That's, that's that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that one. Um, I've never watched these. Watch these. They are. I mean, the second one is uh, the most Is this divisive. a stoner movie? It is, but at the same time, there is something kind of lovably Bill and Ted about it as well, okay. I think, at the same time. Although, for, for a more traditional comedy, we shall, of course, go to Tuesday at 10pm on ITV4. I'm sure you must have seen this in your childhood. Yeah, National Lampoon's European Vacation. I'm just sort of casting my mind back as this to whether... This is the second one. This is the second in the National Lampoon's series that began with Vacation, and I think the third one is Christmas Vacation. What was it that um, they were all talking about on the uh, Cleaning Up the Town documentary that they'd all worked together on before? Saturday Night Live. No, it wasn't Saturday oh, Night Live. Oh, Stripes, they, a lot of them had worked on yeah, as well. A lot, yeah, so, so again, like with National Lampoon, there's a lot of great talent that comes mm. out of like these kind of movies, and I think that's what keeps it iconic in a way. But the second one, does that play out? Well play out European? more or less the same as the first one, except instead of going across uh, America this time, they're going across Europe. To be honest, a lot of this ground got covered again in Eurotrip in 2004. I but, have seen Eurotrip. <laughs> but, but this doesn't have Scuddy, doesn't know. Okay. So, I mean, it is great, though. Chevy Chase, still a blast. Yeah. And uh, speaking of blast. Chevy Chase, sorry, not aged well. No, no, he has not. Although I like his, the title of his biography, which is I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. great for Tell him. it how it is. So um, that is ITV for 10 o'clock on Tuesday. Take me to Wednesday, Miss Perfect. Well, no, get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a classic. Oh, sorry. Film 4, 9 o'clock. I'm amazed that this is on Film 4 already. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's been high profile. It's, you know, it's we've had us since. I think the attention now is very firmly on us. It's had it's run on Sky Cinema. It's won every award it could possibly yeah. win, short of Best Picture, which I will argue it deserved last year. 100%. Um, you know, it, it's a great movie. It is, uh, you know, uh, uh, just busts. Great acting from Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. But for my money, it's all about Bradders. It's Bradley Whitford. <laughs> so how long has this been going on? This, 
this thing. <laughs> How long? <laughs> Four months. Four months? Mm. Uh, five months, actually. She's right. I'm wrong. Attaboy. Better get used to saying that. <laughs> I, please, I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. She's right. I'm wrong. <laughs> See? Does he have an off button? This is exhausting. <laughs> I know, and I want to give you a tour. Can you, like, gone. unpack first? You want to unpack? Before the tour? Brothers, ladies and gentlemen. Brothers, okay, okay. But to be honest, this one, I mean, you, you will have heard it around last, was it last year's award ceremony? I think it was, wasn't it? It yeah. kind of kicked off through that. And, and to be honest, it was groundbreaking because of all the right reasons, you know, having, yeah. you know, more people of diverse sort of cultural backgrounds being nominated. Jordan Peele. Exactly. What you know. a debut. I mean, we, we, we don't think about this because it was only three years ago, but Jordan Peele was a comic. He was a comedian. Nobody knew he had this in him. Now we think of him as the great intellect. Yeah. As one of the best writers around. Well, like, I actually have to say, before all of this and before us, I had no idea who Jordan Peele really was. Uh, I was a big Key and Peele fan, which is one of my sort of favourite comedies okay. the last few years was, was uh, the Key and Peele show. Um, a lot of which uh, is on YouTube. They, they specifically designed uh, it. I quite way. like the fact that I thought he came out of nowhere. I would thoroughly recommend checking out some of Key and Peele. There are some absolutely amazing sketches. Yeah. Now, um, we've one. got not one, but two Bruce Willis films. No. Oh, yeah, we have. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, because you're making me we have our sense check my knowledge there. <laughs> but Thursday sees The Last Boy Scout come back on our screens, ITV4, 11, 10 p.m., Late timing for this. It late should be time. earlier. I know, but you know what? Easy on earlier in the week, and it was on uh, later at night. So I thought when I saw okay. it was on an hour earlier, I thought, ah, I'm going to have that. Um, Last Boy Scout, in which uh, Bruce plays Joe Hallenbach, a down on his luck, borderline alcoholic private detective who teams up with a disgraced NFL linebacker played by Damon Wayans to solve the murder of Halle Berry. And we've got a clip of, uh, of Bruce Willis discovering Bruce McGill boning his wife. Look, Joe. Keeping it warm for me, Mike? Easy. Don't do nothing dumb. How was she? On your finger scale, how was my wife? It just happened, Joe. It sure, sure, I know. It's, it just happened. Could happen to anybody. It was an accident, right? Whoops. I'm so sorry, Mrs. H. I guess this just isn't my week. Joe, put the gun down, please. Oh, yeah, the gun. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Shane Black, writing and directing, absolutely great movie, so many one-liners. A bit of a bomb when it opened, but I think when it hit DVD, and well, earlier than that video, and then DVD, it did become a bit of a cult thing. Yeah. Uh, absolutely worth checking out. I yeah, love yeah, this yeah. movie so Sort much. of vintage Bruce Willis, isn't Vintage it? Bruce. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> right, now next week sees the launch of the newest Bad Boys. Um, Bad, Bad Boys, Boys for, for Life. life. <laughs> they will probably do a better rendition of that than I'm people. sure they will. Um, but to lead you into that, on Friday night on Sony Movies at 9 o'clock is Bad Boys, the original. Oh, bad the original Boys, Bad Boys, what you going to do? And of course, I mean, one of my favourite moments in the film. I mean, we had a, a difficult time finding a clip for this, by the way, because there is so much foul language in <laughs> Bad Just Boys. the way I like it. Uh, here's, uh, here's Will Smith putting a gun to Michael Imperioli's head. What's up, Joe? <gasps> what? You, you're pulling a gun on me? You guys are cops! I can't believe this! I should turn you into hard copy! Put your ass on the TV set! Yo, what are you doing, man? I got this! Jojo, I got 15 bullets in this gun. Mike! And I swear, if you don't start talking to him, I'm gonna fill your lying ass full of some hot Now, what's up? Mike! He's a former ganja-smoking mother... 
But he ain't worth it. Do you want some? I'll bust your ass too. So sad. You on your own, Jojo. Just a gentle rom-com, though. Just it is a bit. <laughs> I mean, I love this film so much. It is iconic. And it was iconic pretty much from the minute it came out. Yeah. I mean, with the great pairing of, of the two of them, Martin Lawrence, Will Smith, uh, Tay Leone was just a goddess in my eyes. Oh, I, I love Tay Leone. Oh. And I, where is she now? Uh, married to one of my heroes. Who? David Duchovny, yo. She's still married to him. I, I thought they got divorced. So. Did they get divorced? Oh. I hope they didn't. I was so pleased for him. He deserved I could be it. wrong. It's just my celeb gossip knowledge. Yeah, could but, be totally uh, wrong. Double D, baby. He got the tear. But, uh, and then he got to be in Californication. So that man literally lived the dream. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what's left to say about Bad Boys? It was so good they made a sequel. And then that was so good they made another sequel a couple decades later, which we get to review next week. I'm excited. Can't wait, Can't yeah. wait for that. But, of course, Bad Boys won Sony Movies 9 p.m. Good week. I good think. week. Yeah, good week for TV. Really good week for... I mean, it's kicking off 2020 in both cinema and at home in a yeah. really positive way. I we, think We're rocking it. Yeah, we're rocking it. And we're back. And you know what else is back this year? Shiny discs. I'm kidding. It's 2020. Nobody's into shiny discs. But I'm of course, speechless. Well, I mean, you can still buy them, though, and they do release new ones every week, which is a nice indicator of what you can also buy on online video stores. Dan, so. I asked you to lead in this segment because you know it's not just about shiny discs. It's, it's about, about any, streaming. It's about streaming. It's about any sort of platform, video on demand, whatever you want to watch. True, watch. But if, if next time, if you're not going to do it properly, I'm not going to let you do it, okay? <laughs> I know, you give me an inch, I just take a mile. Um, speaking of which, let's talk about It Chapter 2, which comes out. Uh, talk on, about uh, taking an yeah, inch. <laughs> talk about taking an inch and running a mile. So It Chapter 2, sequel to the massive mega-hit adaptation of It from 2017. I was so excited about this. I know, me too. And it, how much of a letdown was this? Yeah, I mean, sadly. Yeah, so this is obviously, this. we had the kids section. This is now the grown-up section. This is 27, exactly 27 years later, when the gang reform in the town of Derry to take on the now return. Pennywise. That echo? You might have changed it. Just like it changed us. But we didn't stop it. Because it just bounced back. We made an oath. That's why I brought you back. That's why you're here. To finish it. For good. Well, that got dark fast. Still terrifying, but too mm. CGI'd in this movie. Too CGI'd, but also I thought they, they made Pennywise too conventional a movie monster in this one, whereas in the first movie, he, he's actually psychologically terrifying. Yeah. Which is weird, because in the second one, he's they're making more of a concerted effort to make him seem like a more psychologically terrifying yeah. character. I like Doesn't the... Um, I like. We talked about this when we reviewed it, but mm. I like the bit around the, um, the Chinese yeah, uh, yeah, restaurant table, yeah. and it reminded me of... What was that film... With Brad Renfro. The Sleepers. Yeah, sleepers. that was the conversation That's we it. had. Yeah, that wasn't is it? the yeah. conversation because yeah. it was very nostalgic in mm. that respect. Like a group of friends, maybe the yeah. last time they'll see each other. And this is what happened. Well, they wound up doing this exact thing when they made The Defenders for Netflix and they had all the Marvel characters set around the table. They're <laughs> <laughs> the same exact kind of thing. Um, I, I didn't really rate it, Chapter 2. Too. I did feel, I think, again, it's the overhype because the first one was so good that this one kind of lets it down. But still worth a watch to some extent, I think. To finish it, really, Yeah, just it? to finish yeah. it and see where it goes with it. Um, but Also, Bill Hader, very good in it. Yeah. Give him, him his due. Yeah, and also Jessica Chastain. Like, the, mm. the cast is good. I think it's the script that let it down. Mm. It just didn't quite work for me. 
but you know if you're a fan of the first movie you'll be intrigued to see what the second one is don't worry you don't need to hide behind your pillows for this one it's not particularly scary and the old spice guy plays mike true story <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of old spice yes. rambo last blood <laughs> stallone is back and I this time even... he's taking on mexicans uh, yeah but was this even in the cinema i mean it was and we didn't get press shown it Oh. They deliberately kept it from us because they, they actually had junkets and actually had journalists go and talk to Stallone without seeing the film. That is but a that genuine thing. That sounds silly. Yeah. And you know what they didn't get to see? This. Oh, I was just going to say, well, now that you've seen it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't miss much. It was garbage. Was it? It is a garbage movie for garbage people. Haven't Why come did they the... even bother doing the junket? Coming off the back of the fourth one, which I think was just called Rambo, or in some circles called John Rambo, uh, this is a massive climb down. Rambo was a great movie. This is just drivel. This is a very late 80s, early 90s, almost director-video quality thing. Uh, in fact, it reminded me a lot of uh, Stallone's remake of Get Carter. It was about that level of quality. Well, Not a fan. It makes sense as to why it's on our Blu-ray DVD list. Shall we move on to streaming? So let's move on to streaming, of which, you know, the pickings are a bit slim this week. I think we've got two that are both out on uh, Friday the 17th. By the way, both uh, those DVD titles and, you know, on-demand titles are out on uh, Monday the 13th, by the way. Uh, streaming, Friday, January 17th, we've got a couple to choose from. Uh, we've got the fourth series of a fourth season of a show I've been quite enjoying. I must admit. Hip hop evolution. Hip hop evolution, which is uh, is, it, is the it? story of hip hop. That, oh, that's what okay, it is. fine. It I thought it was that that. Um not Dance Dance Revolution, if that's what no, you're no. <laughs> It was that one with Cardi B and T.I. and stuff, the, the like, X Factor, mm. the hip hop Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is the complete history of. Oh, I um, love it. Okay. Yeah, it, it, is, it is worth looking at how the genre has evolved over the years, etc. Uh, we've also got... Now, I uh, I missed out on the chance to see this live on stage, and I uh, I, was, I, really, I really regretted it. And, of course, Rob Delaney's uh, stand-up show, which is called Jackie. Uh, the title refers to a friend of his who mysteriously went missing. <laughs> but uh, it's Rob Delaney, so you sort of know the level of comedy to expect. I don't you've know seen, who Rob Delaney is. We've seen Catastrophe. No. no. Oh, is he the lead in Catastrophe? He's the lead okay. in Catastrophe. Okay, I know who he is. I've never, I didn't know he was a comedian. He's also the guy in Deadpool 2. You know, the sort of schlubby human who just turns up and wants to join the X-Force. Oh. Yeah, you know the guy? I forget his name. Pete or something, isn't he? Oh, yeah. okay, okay, but okay. He's, he's, he's got he's my attention. Uh, he's a very funny man. Yeah. Uh, my friend John Dickinson went to see this on stage. Um, he had an absolute ball. Understandably so, as I say. Uh, Bob Delaney, whenever I've seen him do stand-up, it has always been great. I still, I'm, you know, I've, I've been around long enough now to remember when Bob Delaney made his name on Twitter. Rob Delaney was the first success story, really, of Twitter. Oh, he, he was a comedian who found his niche tweeting jokes, and that then started his career. And this, he wound if up on only Netflix. it was that simple, we would be millionaires I by know, now. right? <laughs> we keep the lights on through sponsors, ads and dealings. We could just be tweeting. We could. 
But uh, We're anyway. not. <laughs> so, yeah. so in the meanwhile, you know, that, that kind of wraps us off for this yeah. week. Yeah, and I mean, you know what? I think it's a stronger stronger week for mm. going to the cinema and watching stuff on bog standard telebox. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, next week is going to be a bit all over the show. Um, yeah. So next week we've got, I'm just going to say, there's one movie I know isn't very good. There's one movie I know is very good. And there's one movie that I'm dreading seeing. So, yeah. So next week, in no particular order, you know, in relation well, to what shall I just I said. Because I don't know which ones are your... Okay, what have we got next week? Then? So we've got Just Mercy. Just Mercy is next week, yes. Uh, we've got Bombshell. Bombshell is next week as well. Uh, Bad Boys for Life. Bad Boys for Life, and yes. And I don't know what the fourth one is. Uh, Terrence Malick's latest film, A Hidden Life, is next week. I, I can I'm just tell gonna say, by your tone. That's the one I'm dreading seeing because it's Terrence Malick. It can go either way. It's it, also going to be really long, so yeah, be, you can yeah. take the bullet on that one. I'll, I'll take the bullet on that one, also because they sent me the award screen. <laughs> so, you can take the bullet on that so one I'm, from the comfort of your yeah, own I'm going to buy a, buy a couple bottles of Pinot, plonk them on the coffee table this Pass weekend. Pass out before it reaches our one. And see if, if, if the wine or the movie end first. <laughs> that's what's going I to happen. I know what I've got my money on. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. That's it for me this week. I've been Van Connor. I've been Bex Perfect, and this has been Offscreen, your seven-day guide to movies. Boom.